Hey, this is Kenny Price with Quad.Rocks. I have a special addendum that I want to attach to episode 233, which I just uploaded today. But following working on this project, I was spending time with the Lord. And as a part of my time of devotion, I'll try to read other books in addition to devotional books and the Bible. I'll try to read fiction uh, or just other writings that inspire me that God used uses to speak to my heart. Anyway, I've been reading a book called Joshua. It's a book I read once before. I only read it halfway through the first time because I kind of lost interest in it, but what drew me to the book to begin with was the author, Joseph F. Gerzon's perspective on what if Christ were to come today and live amongst us today. What would that look like? And With anything like that, you have to be careful that you don't add to and take away from Scripture. And reading this fictional book, I don't believe in any way that Gerzon does that. It's just an interesting perspective on how would it be? What would it look like if Christ actually moved down the street from you in a small cottage at the end of the road? But anyway, it's interesting that right after I posted the podcast 233, Mending Walls, that if you've listened to the podcast, and I would encourage you to listen to it first before you listen to this, but it's interesting what Gerzon points out. Now, keep in mind that Gerzon, uh, he's written several books, but his father, Joseph F. Gerzon, retired from the active priesthood in 1986 for health reasons. He began a writing career that includes the following titles, Joshua and the Children, Joshua in the Holy Land, The Shepherd, and Kara the Lonely Falcon. This is actually published on Scribner Paperback Fiction. The ISBN is 0684-813-467. But I want to read to you something that Joshua says to one of the church leaders who begins to tear into him. And uh, Joshua up until this point has been pretty clandestine about who he is. He's yet to reveal that he's Jesus, but In response to the priest who said, you see the map on the wall, the priest said, pointing to the large map, all the people living in the territory marked down on that map are my people, and I have jurisdiction over them. No one is to speak to them without my permission. And in the story, as Joshua begins to step on toes, that people like this priest find him rather offensive. And so he's called this meeting with Joshua to ban him from having any contact with the people in his parish. Now keep in mind, this is written from the concept of a Roman Catholic, but it has a message for every Christian. But listen to Joshua's visible angry response. And I am observing uh, the copyright laws. I have the right, the legal right to read one uh, paragraph, and this is one paragraph. But this is on Joshua page 171. Joshua was visibly angry They are not your people, he said sharply. They are God's children, and as God's children, they are free. It is shepherds like you who have stripped God's people of the freedom and joy they should experience as the children of God and returned them to the status of slaves, no longer free to follow their own consciences or to listen to their inner voices or even the voice of God. It is shepherds like you who are so taken up with your own authority that you resent people even talking to others about the things of God without your permission. It is men like you who have destroyed the good name of Jesus' message. 
and have bound up people's lives in shackles in fear of punishment, not because you care for people, but merely to protect your authority. Jesus taught his apostles to love and to serve, but you have never loved your people because you cannot love in the normal way men love. You rule them and force them to serve you instead. Now, dear friend, it's not a coincidence that this actually came up in today's reading, and this is further in the book than I had gone the first time. But I'm telling you, God is speaking. And if we want to know why the world is so messed up, we've got to look inward. And I hope you understand today that with podcast 233, this is not to just slam the under-shepherds of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who are absent at the gate. They are absent at the collapse because they have provoked the collapse. This is a message to every person who claims the name of Christ. It's time that we each get serious about our walk with Christ and we follow his statutes. I didn't bring this out in the podcast, but we follow his statutes not because we're under obligation. As Christians, if we know Christ as our Savior, we have been set free from the law. But if we love Jesus, the law is the mind of God and the way he thinks and the way he feels. And if we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and if we love our neighbor as ourselves, we'll follow God's commandments because they bring all of the peace and the safety and the security and the prosperity and the fantastic interpersonal relationships, which are at a at an all-time low in our nation. People have become so distanced from one another because of all the garbage that's going on in our country and across the globe. And so, dear friend, I hope this inspires you to see that, wait, this is just not old Kenny Powell who's got an axe to grind, because I don't. This is the truth of where we are today. And dear friend, we can find our way out of it. And the way is, as I said in episode 233, get back to God's word Follow what he says. Live a life of separateness, not distancing yourself from lost people, but showing that there's a difference in you because Christ is in you, the hope of glory. When we love people the way Jesus loved them, we will run to them to meet their needs and to show them the God's love in clear and real and tangible ways. So dear friend, think about it. Don't run from it. I know that as I posted episode 233, I think there will probably be some of you who recoil and say, how dare Kenny speak about my pastor like this, or to even cast a shadow of doubt regarding my pastor's authenticity and his morality and his commitment to Christ. But dear friend, just look at the headlines and what is happening across our country. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again, that with all of the heartache and with all of the mayhem, And the inflation that when you look in real numbers, it's about 50% on real common goods. It's catastrophic failure. And against this backdrop, I ask you, where is the voice of the prophet? Where is the voice of the under shepherds of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ across this country? Has there been any assembling of pastors who have come together to say enough is enough? And we rise up on behalf of the poor. And we, we, we rise up on behalf of the single mothers with multiple children whose lives are being destroyed, whose peace are being destroyed, whose safety is being stolen from them because of, just to begin with the economic destruction that has come to our nation. And dear friend, it's not just because of one person. 
Can't you see, as I've said before, that God, when he gets fed up with a nation, he moves in five different ways. He moves through war. He moves through famine. He moves through pestilence. He moves through wild beasts, and he moves through natural occurrences. Explain to me how the state of Texas can go from massive drought, massive drought, and then in a week, my phone keeps blowing up with information from AccuWeather about flooding in Houston, flooding in Houston, flooding in Houston. Then the city where I moved from, Euless, Texas, flooding in Houston, flooding in Euless, catastrophic flooding. Yet just a week ago, the ground so dry, they, my wife just heard on the news here yesterday that 200-year-old oak trees in Dallas are dying because the drought has been that severe. Friend, do you realize what that means? Is not only the groundwater is, has been gone and dried up, but the undercurrents below the surface, the springs and the aquifers are drying up. Dear friend, this is the hand of God. As I said in episodes past, drought is one of the things that God brings to a nation to bring them to their knees. And so, dear friend, don't just take my word for it. Take Father Joseph Gerzon's word for it. And my friend, if you will begin to listen, there are many other people who are crying foul. So let this be of an encouragement to you. Not a discouragement, not a downtrodden sense, but a sense of awareness that, hey, it's time for us to wake up. And a side note, when I talked about the fact that, is your pastor one of the ones who are molesting people? The Southern Baptist Convention has launched this massive understudy regarding all the molestations that have been covered up throughout the years. And friend, the fact of the matter is, uh, the irony is that the Southern Baptist Convention as an entity has no legal authority or power over the local church. In the Southern Baptist realm, the local church is totally autonomous. So part of that news story that floated, I don't really understand. But the fact of the matter is there has been a multitude of pastors of the mega churches alone who turned a blind eye while molestation and their own sexual immorality was flowing rampant. And so, dear friend, it's time to stop sticking our heads in the sand and to ask the hard questions. And the fact of the matter is, dear people, if you have an under-shepherd of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who's on your payroll drawing a full-time paycheck, they are responsible to you. So if you're going to question them about what they do with their time and what do they do 24-7, 365, when they're only preparing one message a week most of the time, listen to the response. See if they have good answers. Are they accountable to anyone in the body? Does their wife know where they are throughout the course of the day? My mind goes back to Billy Weber, the pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, who during the week had an apartment set up in Allen, Texas, and was meeting with his organist's wife, to have an affair, had a full apartment set up, and it became public. And even when it became public, some key people, some key prominent people in Dallas stood by him, and mayhem came to that church. And I tell you, when the people pulled out, devastation came to the people who pulled out, who sided with that gross immorality, that public immorality, that vibrato that said, I dare you to hit me in the chin. So dear people, it's time. And I'm stumbling a little bit, but I tell you, this is profound because God is speaking. As I read this with my wife, I looked at her and I said, what are the odds that today we're reading this chapter where it gets to this point in the story? It's not odd. Like someone has said, it's God. So friend, I hope you see the truth in this and I hope you see the encouragement in the midst of difficult things. And I understand that I fully accept responsibility for myself And as I go through this, I am in deep self-evaluation about me. 
And I hope you're doing the same. But my friend, with that, I bid you peace.